This episode is brought to you by Atlassian. Atlassian software like Jira, Confluence, and Trello help power global collaboration for all teams so they can accomplish everything that's impossible alone. Because individually, we're great, but together, we're so much better. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com, A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com. Atlassian. Tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Shouldn't you be at work? Badger. Oh, yes. right in there. Houghton also making his presence felt. There's his shot. It's a goal for Allen. And Ray Houghton has made it wonder. It's a great run by Michael Owen. And he might finish it off. Oh, it's a wonderful goal. Now, you know him better than anybody probably. Do you back him to score quickly, yes or no? Yes. Oh, oh. he has No. Hello and welcome to the final episode of our World Cup specials here on Quickly Kevin. I'm the World Cup's Chris Coulter and me the World Cup's Josh Whittaker. Hello. And the man who actually went to the 2018 World Cup in Russia, Michael Marden. Hello. Like flew out for the semi-final, Mike. I did, yeah. On a, on a mad whim I flew out because I thought this is only going to happen on average every 26 years if you work out 66 to 90 to now. I thought it's now, it's now or never sort of wish I hadn't gone <laughs> uh, I mean it was amazing but I've never experienced a palpable deflation in a stadium with 80,000 people like that before it was yeah I was crestfallen how, how really. what was the what was the England and Croatia amounts in the crowd well I thought it was mostly England because they were very vocal and we scored so early on then when Croatia equalised it was like oh no the roar when Croatia scored compared to when we scored was Noticeably loud. Wow. Really? Yeah. Let's never talk about it. Okay. Again. But we've got to mention that uh, Michael did bump into some ex quickly Kevin alumni out there. The big one, Ian Dowie. <laughs> Didn't recognise me. <laughs> <laughs> right, so, uh, do you want some correspondence? Yes. Get in touch with the show. Email hello at quicklykevin.com. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter at quicklykevin and sign up to the mailing list at quicklykevin.com. We've got a lot to tie up from these World Cup uh, specials. Number one, thank you for all the offers of advertising boards. Um, We've had quite a few. We are going to do one, aren't we? Yeah, definitely. We've got to just work our way through and work out which one to do and work out what we're going to put on it. But uh, watch this space. We'll try and get an quickly, Kevin, advertising hoarding next season. Um, Other things to tie up. Would we like to talk about Neighbours? Always. Oh, yes. So, do you want to fill us in, Chris, so, on where we got to with this? So, last time, Debbie and Rick, De- uh, Rick got his camera stolen. He he gave chase to the uh, culprit. He chased him into early 90s Highbury, uh, where he was accosted by this ruffian's friends who emerged from the shadows of the terrace stand. Lovely. Exactly. So, so that's had, where we left it. We've had a lot of emails. The one I've chosen is uh, John Foster, who sums it up perfectly okay the highlight of the series for me was the recollection of the drama of neighbours visiting Highbury 
I know Josh wanted to know what happened next. Well, I remember it distinctly, mainly because Debbie Martin was an early crush of mine, solidified by her apparent love of the Gunners. Fun fact, she was the first character ever to be recast in a soap. Whoa. Uh, well. Is that I, true? I can't well, believe I, that's I, true. I, Sam Mitchell comes to mind. I can't believe that's before Sam Mitchell. Second, but, you know. Yeah, let's put it out there. Yes, let's let's put it hello at quicklykevin.com. Okay, so Rick and Debbie have chased these hoodlums into the clock end at Highbury. Then all the uh, thugs come out. So what happened was the pair ended up becoming great friends with the clock end hoodlums to the point where the gunners invited them to the next game. The neighbours discussed their time in London sat on a wall or some stairs on Framfield Road, which I recognised because that's where me and my dad would park up and eat our sandwiches before walking the 10 minutes to the ground every Saturday. Debbie and Rick then went to the game, but I seem to remember they sat on their own in the more salubrious seats in the West Upper. Debbie constantly banging on about how many people were there. Shots of them were spliced with footage of Wrighty scoring against Southampton, dating this to the 91-92 season. I've researched this and can confirm that attendance that day was 37,702. I wonder if Debbie ever found out how many people were actually there. So they became friends with the ruffians. Yeah, so do you want to know why? Go on. I can tell you why, because Chris Riley has uh, filled us in, because he has been on perfectblend.net, which is a neighbour's fan site, So, which obviously lists all of the storylines ever. So when a young... This is a uh, quote from perfectblend.net. When a young boy snatched Rick's camera, they chased him and ended up in Highbury, Arsenal Football Club's home ground. After realising that the boy had been stealing to try and raise money for his dying brother, Terry, (laughs) to go to a Michael Jackson concert, Rick and Debbie gave them their tickets and ended up appearing on a television chat show, The Casey Butler Show. Unfortunately, when the return home was delayed by Helen's illness, the producers of the show, believing the kids were now back in Australia and had come clean, released the episode for international transmission, and Debbie's stunned stepmother, Julie, learned how her entire family had deceived her. Oh, wow. Hang on. That is elaborate. Isn't that an insane plot? Have we discussed before that there was a... You know the Scullies? So they were post-90s. They were around 2000. So there was Steph, yeah. uh, Flick Scully, who was Holly Valance. Yeah. They turned up and they were like the big new family. Three daughters and two parents. And then about a year in, the brother returned and he was playing in the Premier League. Uh, I think you've mentioned this before for yeah. Barnsford yeah. so name oh I won't go into it then if I've talked about it before no I don't, do it. I don't it might not have been on the podcast alright well anyway he's playing for Barnsford who are a big Premier League team why don't they just choose a Premier League team yeah managed by Steve Barnes managed by Steve Barnes and then there's a storyline where there's a girls v boys football match and he plays in it and the girls win and you're like he's a Premier League footballer <laughs> And it's absolutely, and it's also filmed. I wonder if anyone's got the um, the if, if it's been put on YouTube. Hello at quicklykevin.com if it has. It's been filmed. You know when they try and film a football match on TV, yeah, and it's got like people doing choreographed tackles where they go one way and the person goes the yeah. other. Yeah. They just can't film it. Yeah, and like the goalie like diving the wrong way and the ball going the other way, and it just and also none of the people being. In fact, it's reminded me of a story that Ellis James told me. So his fiance Izzy, is um, an actress, and she had a part where she had to play football. And she just presumed she'd be able to. 
<laughs> like, how difficult. And the day before, he said, well, should we go kick a ball around? And he said, she just couldn't even <laughs> kick the ball. So had she, had she lied? No, I don't ball? think she lied. I just think they said there's a football scene and she hadn't said I can play football. I think right. there just was a football scene. Yeah, yeah. And so you hear about actors putting like yeah, com- yeah, like combat horse, training and yeah, horse riding, yeah, riding on TV yeah. and suddenly. But yeah. she got put in this scene where she was in a football match, <laughs> and she just couldn't. So what happened? Like, did, did they cheat it? Just I think they it. must have just cheated it. But you know that boys versus girls uh, match uh, on it's... neighbours. The professional footballer didn't commit a single foul against. <laughs> <laughs> we've got more correspondence but I think it kind of comes off the topics we're going to talk about so I'll just bring it up when we need to bring it up yeah so this is the final episode of our World Cup mini run and over the course of the series we have been offering out onto social media our choices for you guys to then decide so now it is time to find out who the winners are are we now- going to have some dramatic music There it is. Lovely. So we're going to start with uh, the broadcaster title sequences, as you would with the World Cup. Um, So the way we did it was we offered out the uh, ITV choices for each World Cup, and then the winner of the ITV choices would face the winner of the BBC choices. We were were all backing Jean-Michel Jarre, hopefully, here. Well, that's what I wanted. The winner of the BBC vote... Was of course Italia ninety unbelievable. Nessun Dorma did it win by distance. Uh, France ninety eight gave it a decent run, yeah, but, good, but good. you know I think if you're a fan of nineties football, then Nessun Dorma is so yeah, ingrained yeah. in that. Uh, controversially, <laughs> the ITV winner was Gloryland. Oh no! <laughs> what? I don't know whether it was a protest vote, um, but basically the final it was USA ninety four ITV oh, versus man. BBC Italian ninety. Imagine if USA ninety four wins, and it was a comfortable victory, shall oh. we say, for Italian ninety. So it's a shame that I don't think our, our listeners are as mischievous as I would be in a vote. Yeah. I think I'd have gone straight in with Jar, and then in that final I'd have voted for ITV just to, just to really <laughs> piss us off. Uh, next up, we've got mascots. While we're on uh, mascots, before we announce the winner, Chris, we've had a lot of correspondence about Chow. Your hatred of Chow. Do you want to just fill yeah. us in on your hatred of Chow? Well, I mean, the headlines are, he looks like an alien. It's, he's confused, <laughs> doesn't appear to have eyes or a mouth. Is that boy's head, or is he, or is Chow just that go up to the shoulders and he's heading a ball that's just above him? You couldn't get a human in him. This is some of the complaints. Well, you say that. There was a guy who tweeted in. I think it was someone else's picture. Well, this is, this is I think, what we've been sent by Tom Williams. Hi there. I'd just like to share this extremely odd 90, Italian 90 promo video. In addition to bizarre footage of balletic goalkeeping, it features a brief dance cameo from Chow. What? Which confirms that A, Chow's head is a football. B, he's got some moves. C, he's terrifying. Okay, Chris, I just want you to... D- a bit like, you know on Soccer Saturday when they haven't got the uh, footage, I want you to just describe what's going on in front of you as I okay. play you this footage. Oh my God, there's Chow. <laughs> oh my God, this is like the stuff of night. This is like a fever dream. It's describe Chow. Like, Chow. It's Chow like a Harlequin-dressed guy and they're just jumping up and doing like, this video's nightmarish. Is there a massive 40-foot football this guy's doing like, like hundreds of people doing kick-ups? What is this? 
<laughs> just describe Chow. Chow is so he's in like a bodysuit with just. It's a, a man in a green, red, and white tight bodysuit. Yeah, with a football for a head. The dancing's like nightmarish. Here's the thing. Is that in the official canon of Chow? <laughs> or, is that, or is that unofficial ch- Chow? Yeah. Well, it's weird because it's not square like Chow. No. It's someone who's clearly direct. Because obviously, the, I bet they tried that. Yeah. And then they went, we're going to have to go body suit. Yeah. <laughs> well, someone um, someone tweeted in a picture of someone who'd gone to a fancy dress party as Chow. Oh, wow. Which will retweet. And you look at it first and you go, oh, that's incredible. And then you look at it closer and you go, how the fuck did that guy move around like in the party? He sort of boxes and you know he's going to be rigid and horrible all the way through that party. It's a great great outfit. Yeah, it's a punchline and then the rest of your night is ruined. Yeah. (laughs) So the choices we had were Chow for Italian 90, Striker the World Cup Pup for USA 94 and Footix for France 98. Uh, Striker across social media... I think overall got less than 5% of the total vote. Two right. And the winner... Come on. By a small margin... (gasps) Was Chow. Yes! Come on! Protest vote. Love it. A lot of love for Footix. I tell you what, Italian 90 is going to sweep the board at this, right? Yeah, it feels like it. It feels like it. I'm really enjoying this. I'm really (laughs) excited. What's next? Okay, so next up, uh, we're going to look at memorabilia. Ah... Do you want a couple of uh, pieces of correspondence on this beforehand? Okay. So, can I just thank Sean Gary Mitchell, who um, uh, sent sent us, which we will cut, we haven't got a proper chance to look at them yet. There's some some Subutio Squads cards that he found in a um, uh, a charity shop. But what I like about them, they're different player cards, but some of the players have got special moves. Uh, (laughs) Well, Mark Hughes-esque. Yeah, like Mark Hughes. I wonder, I'll look for the Mark Hughes and see whether he's good at volleying. Um, but uh, also, I got him to send it to my address, but I said, amusingly, could you send it to Barry Fry? <laughs> but he didn't send it to Barry Fry. He thought it'd be funny to send it to a different name. But then my girlfriend answered the door and told the guy that Paul Telford didn't live here. <laughs> So the parcel got sent back to him and then he had to return it as Barry Fry. (laughs) (laughs) So thank you, Sean Gary Mitchell, for going through that. Anyway, um, I've really enjoyed James Cooper's email the most, but there's been a lot of confirmation emails that the gold Coca-Cola cup ball did exist. Plus another email uh, that also confirmed that they've relaunched the Coca-Cola balls. For this World Cup? For this World Cup. Oh, wow. So thank you to all those people that uh, emailed about the Coca-Cola balls. I won't read all your names out. But James Cooper's. No one has totally identified how people got hold of them. There's been a lot of people... There's a lot of conflicting. Yeah, a lot of conflicting. I think it was tokens. I think it was... But no one's actually... Yeah. However, James Cooper. Hi, lads. Loving the podcast. Just listen to the latest discussion of the size one Coca-Cola footballs. And before you mentioned the little chef, I remembered when I worked in Happy Eater in the 90s. Do you remember Happy Eater? Had the sign that looked like a guy sticking his fingers down his throat to throw up. (laughs) It was like a bad little chef. (laughs) I think we sold the Coca-Cola balls with chow on them. I did maybe still have one of these. I was also on the late shift for the Cameroon match. I love this. So I bought my portable TV to watch it in the restaurant. Oh, wow. Do you remember those portable TVs with the air? Really small ones. Yeah, really long. Yeah. I was only allowed to watch on the condition that I asked every customer if it was okay to have it on. (laughs) (laughs) 
which as it happens wasn't many people it's probably why they closed down a few years later <laughs> James and Malloch I love the idea of him having to go table to table yeah I bet, A, their battery life was awful. It was, yeah. Yeah, I, yeah, I had to have like 25 double <laughs> Yeah, and I bet, B, the um, reception was terrible. Yeah. Because otherwise, they would have taken off hugely. Yeah. Because yeah. what an amazing step forward in technology. Yeah. My favourite one of our correspondents about people sort of clarifying where those balls came from or where they got them from was someone emailed in, I can't remember your name, apologies, but said that their dad had returned home from the pub one evening with a load that they bought off some guy in the pub which I remember I don't know if you guys ever had that but that's such a 90s thing yeah. where like your dad would come back from the pub stuff. and he'd be like yeah I've got a pirate copy of this or yeah. like when the first person got the first CD burner do you remember that? Oh, yeah, Where yeah, they'd yeah. go around and they would sell like copies of CDs for like yeah. a third of the price. Oh my God, yeah. so mate, I've got the new Oasis album. Yeah. And some guys like printed out the cover and stuck it on. That oh. is the one sad thing about living in the future, the demise of the pub as, the, as a marketplace. Yeah. <laughs> like, have you ever bought just... anything from a 90s footballer in a pub? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> just... On the other buying kind of ripped CDs, I remember there was a market at Holden Race, Exeter Racecourse on Holden Hills. And I remember going there. And at the time, you don't think, well, what, what are the legalities of this? But I, A, remember one weekend buying fake spliffy outfits. Yeah. Which you wouldn't think you'd be allowed to sell in a marketplace. And B, there was, I remember a stall that would sell, you know, the big albums of the day on cassette, but they were clearly just recorded cassettes yes. for two ninety nine. Yeah, yeah. With like and the cassette would say, see inlay for details, because <laughs> it wouldn't be printed on the set. And how was that allowed? Yeah. Can we talk about you buying a whole spliffy outfit? That's not <laughs> <laughs> Everyone had them at my yeah, school, yeah, didn't I, you? Yeah, record bag as well. Did you have the record yeah, bag? Yeah, the record bag. I just thought the combination of deep black denim with white cotton was a real good look. <laughs> um, so, Michael. Choices for the memorabilia were, uh, Chris, you picked... I picked the uh, Sainsbury's 1998 coin collection. Josh, you picked... The greatest sticker album of all time, the Orbis 1990 sticker and album. I picked the uh, Little As Discussed Coca-Cola World Judging Cup by World. the traffic in emails, I'd say the Coca-Cola ball has won this by a distance. Well, you'd think that, but Ooh. actually, the uh, there was a lot of strong feelings and thoughts about the Orbis sticker collection. What were the feelings, generally? I just... Like positivity, pure positivity. Did many people have it? Lots of people had it. Lots of people, it was their Bible, basically, similarly yeah. to you at that period in time. So I thought the Orbis thing was going to win it. But what I realised was it's a bit like Brexit. I think we exist in this bubble like <laughs> sticker collecting. And the popular vote was uh, the Coca Cola. Oh, so that that was the winner. I think Another win for Italia ninety. The clean sweep is on its way. I think way. too many people had that. Like yeah. for other people, the Orbis collection was a bit out of their reach. Can I just uh, say, I thought this was going to be unexciting, but I'm absolutely <laughs> loving finding it. Someone did send us a tweet about the um, the France ninety eight medals, and obviously we discussed the squads them being released before oh, the yeah, squads yeah, came yeah. out, so there were emissions. Yeah. But Sainsbury's actually released an extra five medal pack which I was yeah. completely unaware of that had you have a complete collection you don't <laughs> you have a complete, so there is well, a somewhere <laughs> out there you can buy a little pack with five that's got Les Ferdinand Rio Ferdinand Paul Merson uh, Rob Lee and Darren Anderton there was I think it was in that email they said Andy Hinchcliffe made both the Sainsbury's and the SO squad do you reckon that when he saw that he thought I'm in I'm in yeah. I'm in they must know something <laughs> they must have 
Do you think uh, contacted Glenn? Glenn, could you just give us a heads up on yeah, uh, yeah. left backs? In a pre-internet era, like that's how the players found out. They'd be down, <laughs> they're down at the detective station, like, Mum, I've made it. I'm on the coin. Do you think like SO Sainsbury's? Do you think they get a football expert in to go? Who's the squad going to be? Like, yeah, I wonder. I wonder like, who Ray Houghton or something. Yeah, like, I wonder if there's like consultant. a hundred quid to come in every morning and do the England and Scotland squads. Yeah. <laughs> um, do you think? If you're Andy Hinchcliffe and you've never played in a World Cup, do you think the fact you've made an SO coin is too painful to consider or a nice little bonus in your career? I think it'd be some comfort. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Those quiet moments he's there stroking his own face on a piece of metal. <laughs> do you think Andy Hinchcliffe has that coin? Hundred and ten percent. Do you think Andy Hinchcliffe has ever pa- tried to pay someone? I think I think he coins? I think he consistently <laughs> like Bitcoin, Hinchcoin. <laughs> <laughs> I think Andy Hinchcliffe consistently carries it around with him and whenever he goes to pay he does that kind of oh, oh sorry, sorry that's that's just a coin of my <laughs> right what's next right so next up uh is goalkeepers oh yeah uh so our choices were i had picked uh jorge campos yeah uh, josh who did you pick uh sergio goicachea and chris bobby mikhailov okay so we had a, quite a few bits of correspondence off the back of this, mostly to do with Mikhailov and his amazing uh, wig slash hair transplant. And similar to the Coca-Cola ball, no one really could get to the bottom of whether it was real or not. So well, I, of course I, it wasn't real. Well, I did a bit of digging and the official, the party line is that uh, when Bulgaria qualified for USA 94, he flew to France and paid 10,000 francs, euros, whatever yeah. it was back then, um, to have a high-end hair transplant. So it was real. But we had so many people that were Reading fans who watched him when he played who said that was absolute bullshit, that they think that basically it was a cheap weave or cheap wig. And his version of the story was to sort of say, oh, no, it's a proper... When you said he flew to France, I thought it... You were going to say, and he went to Lords. <laughs> <laughs> Ten years earlier, that's what you had to do. That was very yeah. job. Uh, another interesting story with him is that uh, apparently, when he signed for Reading, uh, which was after USA '94, so obviously he was probably mm. stock was quite high at that point. You know, they had gone on a decent run. They, the reason he signed is that they showed him a video of Reading's playoff final at Wembley oh yeah and he basically thought that that was their home ground and those were the crowds no way every week and that's what seduced him so when he turned up to play for Reading he was like what the fuck is this like where the the hell am I (laughs) it's insane that's amazing that reminds me there's a story have you heard about the Middlesbrough they used to show the players yeah he would show I think it's Emerson he showed Emerson around London yeah. and said you're going to love playing here I like, was implied <laughs> that this was amazing and uh, like ah on like, the uh, on the wig transplant debate there's no way it's a transplant like that, that, that no. technology did not exist it's too, way too thick and luscious pe- pe- people have said that they had season tickets behind the goal and when he would go for a particularly strenuous save, sometimes it would almost half detach and they'd see like the string and the tie that was tying on. <laughs> see a stagehand hanging on. <laughs> so it definitely wasn't a transplant. Did he win though, Michael? That's the question. Uh, well, the winner by the biggest landslide of this competition yeah. was Campos. Yeah, I thought so. More than 80% of the vote. Wow. So, so in goal for our, our bespoke team is Campos. Uh, next up, we've got the fullbacks. 
So, Josh, you chose... Goosang Bum. Goosang Bum, for obvious reasons. Uh, I chose Cafu yeah. and Chris. <laughs> I still can't remember. Chris has forgotten who he's chosen. So have I, to be honest. Uh, luckily, <laughs> Chris's one didn't win, <laughs> unsurprisingly, because none of us can remember it. Uh, the winners were uh, Cafu by quite a large margin obviously the greatest fullback yeah. in the history of I would say football lining up against him on the other side of the pitch Gusang Bum it's Gusang Bum who played Bum. in two World Cups yeah Cafu and Gusang Bum I mean that's together yeah. together at last together at last uh, lining up in the centre of defence is Phil Babb and his ruptured testicle and Paraguay's foulless Gamara so that's, yeah. that's quite a strong defence I think we've got there yeah and Joe forgetting, that, forgetting their names I'm just going to use the Bobby Robson defence <laughs> okay so then we had midfield Chris Jordan Letkov I would never forget that Diego Maradona but not for footballing reasons uh, and I had the USA's Kobe Jones can I just say since I chose Maradona he's excelled himself in astonishing behaviour he's had quite the World Cup he's had quite the World that, Cup swearing at the Nigerian fans oh, unbelievable it's the, the highlight of the World Cup but it did make me go back and watch that footage of him doing the warm-ups for Napoli that is oh, I think the greatest lovely. bit of football footage that's when ever he's just booting the ball up in the air yeah and, and just bring it down so good so we talked a little bit about Lechkov and his hairline that kind of amazing receding male yeah. boldness so we had a couple of emails about this so this is this is maybe my favourite piece of correspondence we've ever had on oh my Kevin god Wright. wow so obviously you will this seen... beats Bobby Mihailov well you've seen Lechkov's hairline it's yeah clear like early onset male pattern boldness yeah, yeah, you know, yeah he's got the kind yeah. of the monk the sort of George yeah, yeah. style well he was asked about this once like what happened and why this was is he going bald well, you'd think that his response was that he basically lived and grew up a few miles from Chernobyl oh, oh no and and a few months after that happened basically he lost started losing his oh, hair oh god but apparently if that was true it wouldn't have just targeted like that one one piece of <laughs> yeah, his head yeah, of like course. it doesn't yeah. just go right I'm going to lose that he would have lost it he wouldn't everywhere. have the little tuft at the front yeah. so it was it was absolute nonsense basically yeah wow um, uh, but what about the fact he had three legs <laughs> <laughs> uh, so in central <laughs> Two central midfielders. Yeah. It's going to be Lechkov and Maradona, isn't it? Yeah, comfortably. Yeah. Yes, I know the public now. Uh, then it's wingers. Yeah. So, Chris, who did you pick? I picked the immense Fellini George. Josh? I picked Blanco, who I've since read an awful article about. Oh. Yeah. Why? Because he's gone into politics in Mexico and I don't like a lot of his views. And I chose Colombia's Freddie Rincon. Um... Now this one, it was quite tight between two of them, who between them got more than ninety percent of the vote on social media. So on the wings, bad news for Freddie Rincon. Very bad news for Freddie Rincon. Yeah. Uh, on the wings are Finidi George and Blanco. So that's a midfield four of Lechkov, Maradona, Finidi George, and Blanco. I think that's not stronger a bad in the middle. I'd say they're on the wings. That dressing room's an absolute. <laughs> yeah. This is like that. When, when uh, Mark Hughes went to QPR and just signed a team of bad eggs. Yeah. Goosang bum. And then finally, to wrap it all up, we had our strikers. So, Josh, who did you pick? 
Toto Scalacci, although I kind of regret not going for Roger Miller. Well, luckily, oh, I, I know, but it's, Chris picked Roger Miller. It's always Miller. good to back a winner, isn't it? I'm <laughs> sure Miller's going to win. Well, I picked Moldovan from Romania. So I also think, think we've got two winners I there. I think it's safe to say. Italia 90 dominates the forward line. Yeah. Correct? Roger Miller and Scalacci crushed the vote on that one. So there are two centre forwards, and that completes oh, our team? World Cup. Can you just run us through the team? So in goal, we've got Campos. Our fullbacks are Cafu and Gusang Bum. Central defence, we've got Gamara and Phil Babb. Come on, come on, come on, come on. I mean, <laughs> it's weak at the back. Very, very soft in defence. Uh, in midfield, we've got central midfield. We've got Lechkov and Maradona. So yeah, creative, that's but, strong. You know, no one protecting the defence there. Yeah. And then on the wings, we got Finini, George, and Blanco. Oh, that's quite good, strong. Yeah. The the ageing centre forwards of Miller and Scalacci. <laughs> the team is absolutely useless. <laughs> I don't think we're getting out of the group. <laughs> I think it would get out of the groups, that team. Because there's a lot of quality in there. Yeah. There's enough players to carry you through. Kusang will never not be funny. Before we go, can we just say sign up to the mailing list? Because uh, there is an exciting announcement. There will be, well, you can imagine what it is. It's similar to previous exciting announcements. But it is a one-off exciting announcement of a one-off event. Yeah. And... We will be back with a couple of specials to start the Premier League season before our next proper series, which will be in autumn. Because we haven't done a quiz, I think there's only one way to wrap up and play out the show, and that is with Des Lynham reading If. Good night. If you can keep your head when all about you are losing theirs and blaming it on you. If you can trust yourself when all men doubt you but make allowance for their doubting too. If you can wait and not be tired by waiting, or being lied about, don't deal in lies, or being hated, don't give way to hating, and yet don't look too good nor talk too wise. If you can dream and not make dreams your master, if you can think and not make thought your aim, if you can meet with triumph and disaster and treat those two impostors just the same, if you can bear to hear the truth you've spoken, twisted by knaves to make a trap for fools, or watch the things you gave your life to broken and stoop and build them up with worn-out tools, If you can make one heap of all your winnings and risk it on one turn of pitch and toss and lose and start again at your beginnings and never breathe a word about your loss. If you can force your heart and nerve and sinew to serve your turn long after they are gone and so hold on when there is nothing in you except the will which says to them, hold on.
if you can talk with crowds and keep your virtue, or walk with kings, nor lose the common touch. If neither foes nor loving friends can hurt you, if all men count with you, but none too much. If you can fill the unforgiving minute with 60 seconds worth of distance run, yours is the earth and everything that's in it. And, which is more, you'll be a man, my son. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there.